Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. And we're going to kind of kick off something new today, simple truths. And sometimes there's just some things that are, they're, they're just so simple that we don't think about them. They're so simple that, that they can be overlooked. And we're just going to look at some simple truths, and we're just going to kind of go through this over these next couple of weeks. But as, as we get into this, I think most of you know, I, I like kids. I, I like kids. Um, Beck and I, we, we like kids. We, we do. We have five of them. They're a riot. They're fun. I love all the stages. I think babies are a, they're so much fun. They just like to cuddle and then, and then they're just there. And, and I know exactly what to do with a baby. Like it just needs to be changed and like fed and held. That's it. And you're like, woohoo, I'm winning. You know what you're doing with a baby. And then they get older and it gets more complicated and they don't know what they need and you have to tell them what they want and they don't know what they, they don't know enough to know that what they need. And you're like, well, I'll tell you this. And it, it, it gets weird. But we love kids. We absolutely do. But here's the thing. I'm not the only one that likes kids. See, the average church this morning, for every four adults that they have meeting in a room like this, they'll have one child fifth grade and below, being taught or, or even in the room as well. Here at Life West, for every two of you, we have one child somewhere running around. I'm not the only one that likes kids. So that being said, I do want to mention March 27, baby dedications. So if you have a baby or child, really, that you're like, you know what, we have not yet dedicated this child to the Lord and we want to follow God in that, then March 27, child dedications, baby or children, and you can go to the website to figure out like, hey, how do we sign up for that? And really the sign up is to make sure that we've got enough gifts and, and we know how to, how to set things up to be able to be prepared for you. But we like kids. And, and honestly, there's a lot of great stuff going on with kids. There's some awesome stuff going on right now with Jamie and the whole t kids team, that whole crew curriculum. They, they don't just teach the kids but they have fun with them, and they don't just hold the kids, but they're teaching them God's Word and just, just doing it at, at a level in a way that they can understand and ignite, like Becca already mentioned, Courtney and the whole team there. It's get, get the teens, get these kids together, and then make it easy for them to understand. Like, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Like, make it easy. They don't need to be up high. We'll make it easy, and so that's what they're doing over at Ignite. Just, just, just... Get, make the good stuff easy, and they can have fun doing it. Church doesn't need to be boring. Did anybody go to a boring church growing up? Like, this is awful. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. It has, there's no reason for it to be boring. It can be fun. And then high school, high school around here, what do we do for high school? Is we do small groups. It's get involved in some small groups, and they're learning. They're learning so much. But here's something I want you to realize. There's a very simple truth that is often just, just, just completely left. It's skipped over. And some of it may be simply because we have so many options when it comes to kids. There's great things going on at church and for, for them, and they're learning verses, and, and they're coming home, and they're memorizing things, and there's, there's great things that they can do, and they can go to school, and we've got them around some great friends, or maybe we got them in a Christian school, or we home educate them, and we're like, there's great things going on for them. But there's a simple truth that's so often overlooked. And we're going to read about this in Titus chapter 2, verse 4. And this is what it says. 
The older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame in the word of God. In the same way, in what way? The same way. Encourage the young men to live wisely. So what is the way that we're supposed to do it? He says that the older are to teach the younger. He says in the same way, it's not just the older women are to teach the younger women, but in the same way, we're to teach the men as well. Here is the thing. Here's the simple truth. The older are meant to invest and teach the younger. Raise your hand if you're older than somebody. Raise your hand. That's you. Okay, the only people that shouldn't be raising their hands are the ones that, like, they don't even know what I'm talking about. They're sucking their arms. They're just, they're just tiny. They don't know what's going on. That, this is for you. This is, this is you. This isn't for somebody else. This isn't for those who have kids. This isn't for those who don't have kids or, or have empty nests and, well, this is just for them. No, no, no. This is for you. It's the older are to invest in and be a part of investing in the younger. It's so simple, but it's something that is so often overlooked. There's great things that are happening right now this morning, but it's not meant to just be that. It's, this is something for every one of us. And we have something here that we find in Judges. What we find in Judges is an example of what happens to a generation that forgets this simple truth. The Israelites, we're going to pick up the story in Judges 2 in just a minute. The Israelites have been in captivity in Egypt. They were there for over 400 years. Moses, God says, I want you to lead him out of there. So he brings him out of there. They see all these miracles. They make it over to the promised land, but they don't believe what God says, which is, I will help you possess this land. They look at the people that are there. And they're like, no, we can't. And God says, fine, you say you can't, I will give you what you say. You will wander the wilderness for 40 years. And the generation that says that they can't get in, they won't. But your children will. And now Moses, they've, they've come back. And Moses, who is leading them, he has died. Joshua is leading them. And it says this, Judges chapter 2. Verse 6, they've gone into the land, they've fought battles, they've taken it, they're getting ready to now divide up the inheritance. Joshua is like, okay, this group, you're going to have this, and this tribe, you're going to have this area, and this area, and this area. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, Judges 2, verse 6, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. So what were those great things? I mean, maybe, maybe you're familiar with it, but when, when God led them out of Egypt, the Pharaoh didn't want to let him go. So he brought down 10 plagues to show Pharaoh that he couldn't do this. He turned water into blood. So the river just turned to blood and they couldn't drink. So they were digging by the river to try to find water. And, and he's like, okay, then that's not enough. And frogs came in and invested, infested everywhere. There were frogs everywhere except where the Israelites were. And then there was gnats and then there was boils and he does all of this. And, and finally, finally to leave, Pharaoh still said no. So God says, okay, the firstborn, 
the firstborn male of every Egyptian is going to die. And so God comes through, and sure enough, but not one of the Israelites' children died that night. And then they finally leave, and Pharaoh changes his mind and comes after him, and God, God parts the Red Sea so that they can cross on dry land. And they get across, and I know people have said things like, well, it really wasn't that deep, and so it really wasn't that big of a miracle. And okay, fine, and I don't know exactly how deep it was, but then the Israelites, they walk across on dry land, the Bible says, but then when Pharaoh and his army try to follow, the Bible says that the water comes crashing in, and they all drowned. So either it wasn't deep enough, and they could walk across anyways, or it was deep. So the miracle is either that they all drown in three inches of water, or that it was shallow enough they could get across, but God is doing miracles, and they're seeing it. In fact, God is leading the children of Israel, and the way He's leading them at this time is during the day, God's presence covered the children of Israel like a cloud in the sky, and when the cloud would move, they would move. And at night, that cloud turned into a pillar of fire to both keep them warm and guide them. This is how they're being led through the desert. They're seeing miracle after miracle. They, get, they need water, and, and Moses strikes a rock, and water comes out, and, and they're like, we need food, and manna from heaven falls down, and in the morning, they're picking it up, and it tastes like bread with honey in it, and they say, well, we want meat, and they whine and complain, and God's like, quail, and he causes wind to blow, and quail just show up, and he's like, you'll have meat until it's coming out of your ears. You'll have so much meat, you want to whine and complain, and they see all of this happen, and, and over and over, they see God moving in their life. This, this is what they saw. This is what they saw, and can you just imagine seeing that? all of this stuff that they see. But here's what it says happens. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Ares in the hill country of Ephraim north of Mount Gash. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now that part kind of blows me away. If you had seen that, would you not have told your children? Wouldn't you have told your grandkids? Wouldn't you be like, hey, let me tell you about the time that we were out in the desert and it was cold, but you want to know what we camped by? You think this fire's big? We had a pillar of fire in the sky in the presence of the Lord. But it says a generation grew up that neither knew the Lord nor what he had done. And what he had done is the stories. And that's, for you and I, that's the stories that we tell our kids, that we tell our grandkids, that we tell our friends of what God is doing in our lives. Nobody knew. And what was the result of that? What was the result of that? A whole generation grows up that does not know them. Verse 11, then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they served the, Baal, the Baals. They turned their hearts from God. They turned their hearts away. There's a very simple truth, and here it is. It's that we that are older are to be investing in those that are younger. You're older, you have been places and you have done things that others have not yet done, or they're in the middle of, and they need help. And you look and you're like, I know the answer to that. I've already been there. I've been through that. We need you. 
We need your wisdom. Sometimes we're too young and dumb to even know that we need to ask. But we need it. A generation grew up who did not know the Lord nor what he had done. We have a responsibility. This is what we do. Over and over we see this in the Bible. If you think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, what happened? She's, she's going about her business. She's doing her thing, right? An angel shows up, speaks to her, and says, you are greatly favored. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you are going to be with child. And she's like, mm I know how that works, and that can't happen right now. Huh? And he's like, no, this will be the child, will be the son of God. And she says, okay. So she agrees to take part in this. And then the Bible says that the angel left her. Say, now what? Go ahead, go ahead and say, now what? I mean, come on. The conference is over. You have the visit, but now what? What does she do? The very next verse tells you what she did, that she went to go see Elizabeth, somebody a little bit older, and when she shows up at Elizabeth's house, the Bible says that Elizabeth is there, and when Mary's greeting is heard, that the baby inside Elizabeth jumps for joy, the Holy Spirit shows up, they both begin to prophesy and show up and help one another, they both get encouraged. Because somebody younger said, okay, so this is what's going on, I'm going to find somebody a little bit older. Somebody who's a little further along. I've never been pregnant anymore. Guess what? Elizabeth, she was pregnant. This is something we see over and over and over in the Bible, and that is this. Our responsibility is to the younger, that we are to be doing something to be helping those that are younger. It's a very simple, simple truth. But there's three things that I want every single one of you who are a Christian to do. I've got three things for you. So if you, if you take notes, go ahead and write this down. If you don't take notes, go ahead and just write this down, okay? <laughs> go, go for it. Get out your phone, take a minute while I take a drink, and get ready. Three things for all of us. This is, this is for you. Again, if you're older than somebody, this is for you. If you're old, if you're married, this is for you. If you have kids, this is for you. If you do not have kids, this is for you. If you are divorced, this is for you. If you're like, I've been saved 20 years, this is for you. If you're like, I got saved yesterday, this is for you. If you're like, I'm going to get saved at the end of the service, this is for you. This is for all of you. This is for you. If you're following Christ, this is what we get to do. This is what we get to do. And I want you to think about this. I like what John says, John chapter 3, because what I'm about to ask you to do is a lot. It, it really is. But listen to what John says. John chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness. He's in one city and some people come from a church that he's already started somewhere else. And they say, look, this is what's going on there. He says, it brings me great joy to hear about your faithfulness to the truth that they're telling me how you're continuing to walk in it. Verse 4, and he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Now let me tell you what he's not talking about. He's not talking about his kids. He's talking about his spiritual kids. He says, I have no greater joy than knowing 
that my, the people that I've poured my heart into, that I've invested in, that they're walking with the Lord. He says, there is no greater joy. And what I want for each and every one of you is that joy of not just the joy of my kids are following the Lord, because maybe you have kids, but also that these aren't my natural children, but they're my spiritual ones. There's no greater joy, he says. I have no greater joy than to hear that they're following the Lord. Just, just the way that some of my, my time, I spent 14 years um, on staff at Res Life in Granville. I did all kinds of stuff while I was there. Um, but as, as it so happened, I got to minister to a particular group of kids from the time they were in fourth grade all the way through high school. Just the interactions I had followed them during that time, and when they would, you know, they would graduate to the next, and I began to do some things with that grade, or, or, and, and I got to invest in a group of students for many, 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 many years. And oh my goodness, I can relate just a little bit to this. As I look at some of them today, kids that I have pictures, of, I've got my arm around them and they're this big and now they're this big and I'm getting to hold their kids. I got to marry some of them and I got to watch their relationships and where I'm like, hey, you are not dating this girl because you are not ready to get married. And he's like, but I'm going to marry her. I'm like, I hope you do. She's great. And then five years later, they get engaged and they're now married. And they're living for God. It is amazing. They're not my kids. And now I'm like, hey, come spend time with my kids. I'm like, get over here. I invested in you and now it's time for you to invest in some of my kids. What can we do about this? But here's what he says. There's no greater joy. And this is something that is for Every one of us, the older, if you're older, then you need to be investing in somebody that is younger. So here's the first thing I'm going to ask you to do. This is every one of you write it down. Pray for the next generation. Pray. James 5, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. So pray. And let me just give you some things that you can be praying about. Number one, pray that they have the fear and reverence of God. And it's not fear like, oh no, God. It's fear like one day I'm going to stand before him. That they would have the fear and reverence of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says this. Says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Pray that they would have the fear of the Lord. The next thing I want you to pray is this. Pray that they would have godly influences in their life. That whether they're following the Lord or not, that God, that you would send people to speak the truth of your word into their lives and situations. Pray for godly influences. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Be like, God, get some wise people, get some godly influences around them. And then the third thing that I want you to be praying, add this to your quiet time is this, that they would experience the presence and peace of God. Because here's the deal, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. There's no high that can compare to it. The Bible says, do not be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. It's literally comparing the two. It's like, you do this, 
You think getting drunk is going to help you relax and feel good? He's like, no, no, no. You want to be filled with the Spirit. That is what you need. You want to have a good time? Spend some time with the Lord. There's a peace that passes all understanding that comes only through the knowledge of God. That they would experience the presence of God. And that's going to be their stories that they're going to be telling. That's what that's going to be. That they would experience the presence and the peace of God. And the next thing is this. The next thing is that you would prioritize church. You're, you're like, I'm here. Good. Some of you are watching online. This is for you too. If you're a bathrobe Christian, that's great. It's time to get back to church. Get in church. But not only that, prioritize church. Here's, here's a really complex illustration. But when it comes to church, we go into church, you're here, that's great. And you're getting filled up, not because I'm great, but because God's word goes forth and God's word says it does not return void. God's word is being sown into your heart. But guess what happens? You get filled up, but you leave. And you get attacked and everything else happens. And what happens? It's just kind of, it's not so subtle that you walk out the door and you're like, man, I need that again. But you want to know what's happening? Is you leak. I don't know if you knew this, but you leak. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say faith comes by what you heard. It's hearing. It's active. We need to be hearing it over and over and over. Let me just say this. If you come to church once a month, that's 12 times a year. Eat, do anything 12 times a year and see how much that changes your life. It's not going to do much. It's not going to. And that's what you're going to sound like when you hit the bottom. You have to keep filling and then you got to come back and you got to keep filling. And you want to know what you have to do midweek? Because this just can't be it. It can't be I go to church and that's it. It's your kids, you have children, they need to see you in the Word of God. They need to see that every day this is what you're doing. You're filling up on God's Word, that you're going, that you believe that what He has for you is the absolute best. And you're filling up because if you don't, it just keeps draining and draining and draining. You leak. So prioritize. Going to turn that little thing off. There we go. I'm going to have to pee. Just listen to that. Man. I don't know if that rain got you guys last night, but I had the window open, and then all of a sudden it starts raining. I thought the dog was peeing on my leg. And I'm like, oh, no, it's just rain. I'm like, I'm okay. Oh, and I have to go to the bathroom. But anyways, um, don't distract me. Be in church. You leak. Prioritize the things of God. Psalms 90, 92 verse 12 says this. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of my God. It says planted. It doesn't say dabbling. It says planted in the house of the Lord. Be planted. And then number three is this. Participate. Participate in the development of somebody that's younger than you. If you're 50, if you're 40, if you're 15, participate in the development of somebody that's younger than you. And it's, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. So here's how you do it. Number one, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. You just be an example in the way that you live. If you're parents and you got kids in your house, 
You can teach what you want, but you reproduce what you are. More is caught than taught. They need to see what you're doing. They pay attention, and they remember things. You think they're too young. They don't realize it. Yes, they do. They're too old. It doesn't matter. Oh, yes, they are. They are watching. Let them know what you're doing. So be an example. Number two is be positive. If you listen to the news and you look around at the world, it's, oh, everything is falling apart. It's, it's all going to be no good. No, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The darker the world gets, the easier it is to see the light they're going to need and they're going to know how much they need God. It is just going to get easier and easier to lead people to the Lord. They're going to be like, this is no good. I need help. Nothing, everything else isn't working. Be positive. Be positive. And then number three, be available. Be available. Some of you, you're an empty nester. Your kids are gone and you've got time like you have never had before. Be available. Some of you, your schedules are pretty full. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me just say this. Be available. The Bible paints a picture of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And he says he'll be standing and he's going to say to some, he'll look at him and he'll be like, you're not coming in. And they'll be like, why? He says, I was thirsty. You did not give me anything to drink. He says, I was needy and you did nothing. I was in prison and you didn't come visit me. But they said, the Bible says that he, they will look at him and they'll say, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? Or thirsty and not give you something to drink? When did we see you in, needy and not, in need and not help? And that he would answer and that Jesus is going to say this, whatever you did, or whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did or you didn't do for me. Your schedules might be kind of full. Make some room. Make some room. You need to be investing in somebody that is younger than you. And maybe it's just a phone call that you add in to your commute. That could be a good start that you call somebody. Because here's the thing, there are people that God has put in your life that you have a voice into, a position that you might not even recognize. But you have a platform to speak into their life that others do not. So I challenge you to pray as you go home today and say, God, who have you brought in my life that I need to be investing in? Maybe it's just an encouraging call. Because I tell you what, I have a couple that God keeps putting on my heart and I have no idea why. But I just, I just really love this couple. Um, her, I kind of know. Him, I don't really know at all. But I'm always just like, I'll, I'll be praying. And I cannot tell you how often they just randomly pop in my mind and on my heart. And I'm like, God, I don't even know what to do with this. So I just send him texts. And I'm like, hey, praying and thinking for you guys. Do you need anything? And he's like, no. And one of the times I send, those message, I send a message and he calls me and he goes, what do you want? And I go, I don't know. I don't really want anything. I mean, what do you need? And he goes, what do you mean? And I go, you're on my heart. I said, I do not know why. I said, but I want you to know I'm here for you. If you need anything, please ask. And I'm praying for you. And I'm in your corner. And I don't know what God's going to do with it yet. Honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a huh for me. 
but my responsibility is obedience, it's not results. And so if God's moving on you, you pray and you say, God, who is it that you brought into my life? What can I be doing? But every single one of us, every single one of you, you need to leave here and by next week, by tonight, you should have somebody that you're like, okay, God, I believe that you put them in my life and I'm going to do something with it. They're not just in my life for kicks and giggles and having fun and good times, but I'm going to use the platform that you've given me to speak the truth of your word into their lives and situations. I'm going to sow seeds into the kingdom of God in and through this person's life. You never know what it is that you're going to do. How do you participate? One of the ways that you can participate is you can join the dream team and you can get involved in the kids' ministry. You can get involved in Ignite. You can get involved in high school. High school is small groups. There's a lot more to it. You'll have to meet with me. Anybody who's involved in kids' ministry, we're going to do a background check on you. We're going to make sure that you know what you're doing. You're not just going to get thrown in a room. You're going to have to meet and say, this is what we're doing. And one of the things that we love about what we have and what we do is if you get in and you join kids' ministry and you join and you make a connection with some kids in Ignite and they graduate out of Ignite, what we do not do is say, goodbye, that was fun. We're like, okay, then you should move with them. Why don't you do a small group? You've, you've made a connection with them. Let's do something with that. Let's build off of it and let's see where it comes of that as you begin to speak into these people's lives. But do something. Do something. In just a minute, we're going to put a QR code up on the screen. And if you're like, I need to do something, I've got some time, I can, I can just invest in some kids' lives and be the one, maybe even be the first, the first person that gets to introduce God's word to a little child. Who knows? But you're like, I can do it. I can be here on Sunday. I can, I can get involved. I can get involved in the kid's life. I can do something. Every one of us need to be doing something. Pray. Because here's the deal. Who knows that your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God is not what you do, but who you raise or who you influence in the kingdom of God. An inheritance is something that we leave for someone. That's what an inheritance is. But a legacy is left in someone. They don't even have to be your children. Every one of us can make a difference. We can speak into some people's lives and we, don't, we won't know what it's going to be. But let me just tell you, this is for you. This is for you. We can all do something. It's such a simple truth, it can be so easily overlooked. But I don't want the next generation to grow up and be like, God, who? And to not know the wonderful things that he's done for me and how he's moved in my life. I'm going to do my part. You can do your part. And let's watch what God does in and through us. Let's pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, for some of us, this is just brand new. We were just going to come to church and go get some food and like just go home and chill. And now we've got a list of things to do. God, but we believe that your word is truth. God, that it is right. And so today, God, I just pray that you would move on hearts, that you're bringing people into their minds that even now your spirit is moving. About some, some faces are popping up in minds and on hearts that they can encourage 
that they can speak into. God, that not a single person would leave here and think this isn't for me. God, we thank you for your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, and if you'd keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't know where I stand with God. I want to give you an opportunity to know. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. You can know. It's not a matter of guessing because Jesus did it all. He paid a price we could not pay when he shed his blood and died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. So we could live a victorious life free from death, free from sin, free from guilt and shame because we'll spend eternity with him forever. Our bodies will wear out, but we will go and join him. So if you're here and you say, I want to know where I stand with God. I want to be on a shadow of a doubt and I want to begin to walk out the plan and purpose I have for him. I'd love the honor of praying for you. And we can pray together. And in just a few minutes when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. If you're in this room, you're online, you're listening to this, wherever you are, if that's you, then at the count of three, I want you to be super bold and you're going to shoot your hand up high so that I can see it. And by raising your hand, you're saying, God, I want to be forgiven, set free, and today is my day. I'm yours. Maybe this is you just coming back, where you're saying, I said a prayer, but I turned my back on him, but today I'm coming back. I'm giving him all of me. If you're either of those, and on the count of three, here we go. One, two, three. Right now, all the way up. Say, that's me. Awesome. All the way up. All right, hands down. Everybody, let's just, let's just pray. Out loud right now with those that lifted their hands, let's just pray together. Repeat after me if you will. Everybody say, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Forgive me and make me new. From this day forward, I'll serve you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.